Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, timeless investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding Podcast, sitting alongside my co-founder, Mr. Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going today? It's going great, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. We hope it's going great for everybody else. We are going to be in New York, New York City, the Big Apple, November 11th through the 15th. If you are a prospective investor and you want to learn a little bit more about what we're doing here at Focus Compounding Capital Management, we are launching a new fund January 1, 2020. Or if you're just interested in the managed accounts in general, reach out to invest at focusedcompounding.com. Again, that's invest at focusedcompounding.com. If you are listening or watching this over on the YouTube side of things, hit the subscribe button, thumbs this video up. And then of course, if you're on the podcast side, um, leave us a rating review. That helps and goes a very long way for us. So in today's video, we are going to be going over a few different stocks that you've written up for the website lately. Okay. And this is on the premium side of things. So for people that are interested in, um, you you know, using that, go to focuscompounding.com. And if you use the podcast uh, discount code, it may take some money off of the um, monthly uh, subscription price. Right. But let's go over the first stock that you, the most recent stock that you wrote up for the website. And that is AMARK Precious Metals. Okay. And the ticker is AMRK. And you said it's a dealer and lender in physical gold. So give me sort of the, the rundown on that company. Yeah, so um, this is a complicated company. It, when I say physical gold, I mean the a actual gold. So not ETFs and things that uh, own gold, but actual gold that you would be owning uh, yourself. And it's kept somewhere. Now, it's not kept with you, usually. It's kept in a vault somewhere around the world. Sure. But you have ownership of it, yeah. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. Um, they do a bunch of different things. The thing that they do that people would be most familiar with um, listening to this podcast is Goldline, okay. which they acquired recently, a couple of years ago, which is a um, direct selling thing that sells directly to consumers uh, uh, gold. So gold coins and things like that. Yeah. This company deals both in gold bars and gold coins. And um, the part that interests me was the secured lending business. So I, if you want to think of it sort of like a, um, uh, a trading company that deals in gold or um, a uh, sort of, you know, how you have um, market making and activities like that sure. in yeah. stocks, same sort of thing, but in gold. So Interesting. If you want to call it, you know, that does investment banking type things in gold. Um, and silver. It owns part of a silver mint. Um, and the, it was written up at uh, Value Investors Club, I think, as sort of like a speculative thing, basically saying that the company doesn't make a ton of money right now, but now isn't normal because it makes a lot of money when there's a lot of volatility. Got it. Right? Because they're talking about things like... Um, uh, market making and things like that, right? Yeah. When the spreads are bigger, then you make more money. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. yeah, your initial interest uh, percent, I guess you could say, because this was an initial interest post, right. and typically if you do you know, more than 50%, that means that you are going to probably revisit, revisit it in the yeah. future. And this was 20%. Which is very low for me. So yeah. this was more so like what? You did some work on the company, just going to kind of 
upload your thoughts and then kind of move on to the next company. Yeah, I said it could be the stock trades at I think eleven dollars or something right now. Uh, you could see ways it could be worth I don't know fourteen or fifteen dollars or something. But the problem was the business that I liked the best, which was the secured lending business. I thought maybe it makes up a third of the value of the company right now. Um, and so the secured lending thing is basically the equivalent of margin loans for gold, which is just. Um, they hold the physical gold, right? This yeah. company, and then you can borrow at loan-to-value ratios up to like eighty-five percent or so. Oh wow! But then, if it exceeds that amount, meaning that the value of the gold that you have drops below the value of the loan with a like fifteen percent buffer there, then they will close out the position. You'll have a collateral call, and they'll close out the position. Interesting. Is it an overlooked stock? Yeah, it's an overlooked stock. Yeah. What's the market cap on it? Uh, it doesn't have a very high market cap. I don't remember the exact amount. Got it. But um, you, definitely an overlooked stock. Yeah, it's it's definitely small, and it also doesn't trade. It it I believe one thing I did notice is that I think the beta might technically be negative right now, or very close to zero. Wow. The one thing I did mention is if people were looking for something that they want to own, like if they would want to own gold or they yeah. like volatility in gold, they want to benefit from that. Then it was possible that as a speculative thing you would buy it because it's very uncorrelated to stocks normally. So really? if you want something. Like if someone was saying, well, I want to own gold or something, you might rather own this than own uh, actual gold, you know? Got it. Yeah. You yeah. said, and when you were describing the business, you said the best way I can describe this company is as an investment bank, really a trading house focused on physical precious metals. Yeah. And the word physical is very important. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. So um, probably not going to revisit it. Yeah. But so the secured lending business, I think it's really interesting. If they could grow that, that would be exciting. It's never had a loss, which didn't surprise me. Uh, that kind of lending should never have a loss. Mm -hmm. um, you, you will have loss if you have like fraud or something, sort of like the salad oil scam, yeah. you know, but right. otherwise you'll, you're checking it, uh, the prices daily at the close, you know, in terms of what the price of gold is versus what you have. Uh, coins, they do an even lower loan to value ratio. So that would be easy to do. And they charge, I think, close to 10% on that. Now, now, about six out of ten loans that they have, they acquired from someone else. They didn't make the loan. Interesting. But I still think it's safe. Yeah. So the secured lending part, I think, is very interesting. The rest of it, I think, is very complicated. I couldn't estimate how much they would make in volatile times. But you could certainly calculate how much volatility you think gold will have in the future and silver. But this company just doesn't have a long enough operating history to know how much that will translate into in terms of returns. Interesting. Interesting. All righty. Uh, next company, everyone's favorite Overlook stock. Daily Journal, Daily ticker uh, DJCO. Your um, title was a stock portfolio, some real estate, some dying newspapers, and a growing tech company with minimal disclosures. And um, this is an overlooked stock. I did a yes. video on it, demoing out why it's an overlooked stock. Mm -hmm. Share turnover is less than 100%. I think it was probably 60 to 70%. can't remember mm -hmm. right now. Beta less than one. It's a, mark, uh, it's a micro cap, I think, what, $300 million? Bigger, yeah. Something mm -hmm. kind of a little bit over $300 million. Um, obviously... Some people could scoff at the idea that it's an overlooked stock because their board is kind of the dream team, I guess you could yeah. say, of what investors would probably like. Charlie Munger is the chairman of the board. Obviously, they have the Daily Journal, mm -hmm. which Jeff and I are probably going to go. It's in February. Okay. I think the it's in February. Maybe. I thought it was, remember, it was kind of by my... I remember it's, it's always by Valentine's Day and between Valentine's Day and my birthday. So okay. that's the way I remember <laughs> it. Usually. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> um, so Daily Journal. Um, why, is this, uh, why are you interested in this company or why would you look it up? Okay. Or, or write it up, I guess. Right. I so say. like I gave the example with Amar Precious Metals, the reason for looking that up was I read something that sounded kind of speculative but interesting at Value Investors Club. Um, this one uh, was actually, I was reading a issue of... Um, 
the what is it, Graham and Doddsville, Columbia Business School's yep. newsletter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it talked about uh, it, get, it talked about someone who had given a presentation, which you can find on YouTube. Yep, is it up there? Yeah, yeah. I also tweeted out because I don't know. I think it's actually unlisted. Is so, I, so I think if you actually type in, you know, yeah. it's not you're not going to find it. It was through a manual of ideas yeah. uh, presentation, but I did tweet that out. So go to at Focus Compound. Yeah, I hope and, they intended and, that to go out. I did. No, I mean, I hope they intended manually. Well, somebody else tweeted it out. Okay. But they were anonymous, I guess, so whatever. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so it's a presentation there, and you really have to watch that presentation, which is a long one, and I don't know, 40 minutes or something. It's pretty long, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yep, yep, yep. And to understand why someone would be interested in Daily Journal. I wrote it up saying that there's no way, based on the financials, that you can figure it out. And I think they like that. That they like that, I think so. Yeah, so it is definitely an overlooked stock. Um, the the issue that they're doing is they're they're sort of misaccounting for things, I would say. Um, but technically, it's allowed. So what they do is they um, Journal Technologies, which is part of their um, uh, company and the part that they seem to be investing the most and wanting to grow the fastest, um, doesn't really make money right now. And it does like a case management software and things like that for courthouse for, for municipalities yeah, and for entire like courts. Yeah, but it also does things like you can file to pay your um, parking tickets and things like that. So um, it, it does a lot of different things. So basically software for a, yeah, a municipality. Like literally it could be the city of Plano yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, so what they're doing is they're, they're basically charging the expenses now for it, which is what you see in the financial statements. But in terms of revenue, they're saying that because they don't actually get paid, they don't actually invoice the customer in many cases, some of the revenue they do. But in many cases, they won't get paid till the cust- till it's gone live, what they've done. And uh, the customer said that they're satisfied after it goes live. So because of the uncertainty of that, about being paid, they're saying that like they don't have to uh, book the revenue as they provide the services. Yeah. Right? But that's causing a major mismatch because you're doing all this upfront spending on stuff and then you're actually not saying that you have revenue till the customer starts paying that. And then the customer will be like in probably a 10-year contract, which they'll probably renew. Yeah, say it's all long-term contracts. It's probably an asset-like business. It will be. I mean, that part of the business. Yeah. Um, and if you look at, and I guess he kind of outlined it in the presentation, he went through, you know, obviously the whole, the whole pitch and everything. And, um, if you sort of read between the lines of what Munger has said mm-hmm. publicly about the company at the daily journal, I mean, he was saying that their prospects could be even as big as uh, BYD. Yeah. So, I mean, their prospects could be big. I don't know how big, um, the presentation goes into a lot of detail on it and doing scuttlebutt. There's no way you can tell from reading the financial statements. Yeah. And that's the problem reading the annual report and the financial statements. Uh, I think it's very misleading how they're accounting for things and not, not just misleading, but it's misleading in terms of the basic principle of gap accounting, which is that you're matching your expenses and your revenues and they're not matching them at all. So it's more like you're seeing what you would normally see in like a cash flow statement or something where they're spending a lot of money up front with the intent to later make a lot of money at high margins, which sure. would be great. Uh, Peer would be Tyler Technologies. That's clearly who they compete with, and that's yeah. a high-flying and, and Inc., stuff. which you and, also wrote up for the website. Yeah, um, but although I think specifically Tyler Technologies is the one that's more similar because NIC mostly does um, portals for in the entire state, um, which is a little bit different. This is more like... Um, uh, it, 
it's it's I'd say it's closest to Tyler Technologies. Yeah. yeah, but those are the two publicly traded peers. They obviously trade at much higher, like EV to EBITDA and stuff than Daily Journal. Um, I liked everything else about Daily Journal. I said um, their debt is very low uh, in terms of like they use margin loans on their stock portfolio. I was say they have a massive portfolio. So yeah. in, in the presentation, I thought it was fascinating. I think it was in the seventies. Rick Guren and Munger they. Um, they bought the company for what two million dollars or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's been like a hundred forty bagger for them. Yeah, <laughs> Over, you know, so I yeah, that's kind of um, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your your initial interest level was only thirty percent. I'm assuming it's yeah. because of the lack of disclosure, it, everything. That's, right. It's know. just I think there's no way to figure out this company. Um, and, and so I think that's the problem you're going to have. It might be, there's no way to track how it's performing after that. Yeah. And there are some other concerns. The The CEO does everything, has all the top management positions. They don't tell you much about who the managers are who might be running things. So all you see is the board who are very old and won't be around a long time doing this. Yeah, so. Peter Kaufman, Rick Guerin, Charlie Munger. Yeah, even the uh, CEO is, I think, a little over 80, had a stroke, was working from home and stuff. They mentioned that. So, yeah, there are risks to that sort of thing. You just won't know because they won't disclose anything. Sure. Yeah. Got it. Um, next company, Psychomedics, uh, yes. ticker PMD, and your title, a high-quality, low-growth business with a dividend yield over 7%, and a third of the business about to disappear. Yes. How do you I, call a high-quality business something that it's going to have a third of its uh, growth disappear a third of its business uh that's a good question uh, i think it will disappear they haven't exactly said that so the thing that's going to disappear i think so this is a company that does hair testing for i couldn't drugs. believe the amount of information you knew on um testing when it came to like because you have, you have drug testing yeah. i was i actually brought this idea to jeff and then uh-huh. he started lecturing me on uh uh, I guess the difference between uh, urine testing and hair testing. I was like, how I, do you know all this I've information? Looked at, I've looked at companies that did, uh, I should, so I've looked at a company that did sweat, uh, sweat patch. I looked yeah. at a company that did urine testing and I looked at a company for drugs, obviously. And um, this company that does hair testing. Hair yeah. testing is by far the best. Mm-hmm. So if you really wanted to know um, what drugs people were taking and how much and for how long and the, you know and to really identify drug addicts and things like that hair testing would be the way to do it yeah and if, if you read the chairman and the CEO's um, investor letters he, he says that a lot on how important like hair testing is yeah. to um, you know the accuracy of drug testing and stuff like that yeah so, I don't want to slander the other types of tests be, of course but, not but uh, the, the idea that they compare these sorts of tests to each other like the sweat test and all those things it's just uh, you're not it, it, they're not comparable at all it's that it's a lot cheaper to do those kinds of tests and also I talked a little bit about it I'm not convinced always that clients really want to identify all the drug users in their um, so the clients are employers yeah, yeah usually employers doing screening of existing employees or a lot of times new applicants yeah, yeah and I would agree with that and when we were actually going over this company for those I mean it is an overlooked stock 50 million dollar market cap beta less than one and the share turnover was I think less than 100 it was you did 102 percent yeah like. it, it's it's for a stock this small it's actually well known yeah yeah um, but generates a ton of free cash flow you know looks very predictable very interesting right. and, and definitely when, micro cap definitely micro yeah. cap yeah 50 million dollar market cap when we were talking about this I actually was saying I interned at that place, uh, my senior year of high school, and I don't know why I remember this, but uh, you know, we were speaking with the managers, or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and she kind of mentioned that they don't do drug testing at their office because they'd be afraid that everyone would just kind of like yeah. get fired and get caught. Mm-hmm. You know, so to your point of what you just said, like sometimes it's like organizations. Do they even want to drug test their employees? I don't know. You know? Yeah, and an easy way. So to just get into it, an easy way to do that is what I mean is they may want to know if people are failing a drug test. 
But the number one reason they give is they want to avoid absenteeism. There's some other things that go further on about dishonesty and things like that. But some of it is urine testing and things like that could easily eliminate people who just can't function. Because yeah. to fail the urine test, they would have known they were going to be tested. They just had to abstain for a couple of days to pass the test, basically. And they didn't. And so that's probably someone you don't want to employ. But for hair testing, you're going to you're not going to catch anyone any drug use in the last like seven days because the hair is going to be below the scalp for that part, right? It starts under the scalp and then grows. But it'll be easy to do it for ninety days. Now, people who have any sort of drug use things are probably going to use in, in within those ninety days, and it's probably going to get captured by that. So they give an example where they did a test in a prison and they had, came up with a zero percent positive rate using the urine testing. They then did the hair test and they came up with seven percent. Okay, the zero percent is obviously wrong. There's no way that in a prison, zero percent of the people are using drugs. So, um, uh, and then after that, they were able to implement new rules and things, and they brought it down to like two percent or so yeah. after that with the hair testing. With the drug, te- with the urine testing, they got the same thing, right? And so, uh, I think that it's a better test, and they have good technology. As far as I can tell, this company has the best technology in, in the industry. I think it'll always be much, much smaller than urine testing, though. Much smaller. But the part about disappearing is that there was, in Brazil, I think they were very serious about actually identifying drug use in terms of uh, people who would otherwise try to pass the test but would use again. And it was because of uh, fatalities on their highways and stuff with truckers. Okay, And the U.S. has a similar program, but they use urine testing. So um, what happened is they required regular testing of uh, their truck drivers, professional drivers. Uh, And the company that they distribute everything through, Psychomedics, um, because Psychomedics is really just the um, testing center. It owns a testing center and has technology. It has a testing center in California, uh, a lab. And it has the technology, but it isn't really um, about it. It sells to like large organizations, like a you know um, S and P five hundred type company or something. But it isn't going out there with a big sales team to sell a lot of other stuff. So they use a distributor in Brazil, and that distributor was majority purchased by a competitor of Psychomedics. Mm-hmm. So and then they signed a new so deal. Logic with them. would say, yeah, and they signed a new deal with them where they're no longer the exclusive distributor. The new deal allows them to use their parent company to distribute. Mm-hmm. I mean, to distribute their parent company's test or Psychomedics both. Um, so it might not happen immediately that it all goes away. Psychomedics said that they're not sure that the competitor is capable of handling everything immediately, but it will go away. Yeah. And so if it does go away, you're talking about um, an okay price, maybe. Depends. Like it'll take them a little while to adjust to get their to to get uh, cut down expenses so that their free cash flow um, level only drops by like a third instead of dropping a lot more. Right? If your revenue drops by a third, your free cash flow and your earnings and stuff will drop a lot more at first. But if we look at the long term past, they probably could get back to where they were because that business is totally separate. They had like one employee in Brazil. but I think you're talking about maybe after they recover from the Brazil thing, maybe a 6% or so free cash flow, yeah. or 5%. If they grow very, very little, that just doesn't work. So you'll get your dividend. You know, you might get a dividend of 5 6 7% because they pay out everything in dividends. And they've paid dividends for 20-some years. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's all you'll get. So it, it might match the market, and it might be kind of um, predictable and things like that. But I just don't see without figuring out where they're going to grow how it, it beats that. And, and I think there's problems with raising the price because of urine testing. That's yeah. my biggest concern. Sure, and if you, I guess, value the stock based on you know, Brazil being a zero. Yeah. And if it's not, you know, obviously that could add to the, the return. Yes. But, if they, but yeah. I would be conservative and value, like you did yeah. and value it Brazil b- being nothing. Yeah. I mean, cause that makes sense, you know, uh, next company, Virtu Motors, mm-hmm. VTU, 
and then your title is a UK car dealer, and then you put in quotes, Davis Double Play, and Jeff's latest purchase. So we do own the stock uh, for the managed accounts, and this is a company that Jeff's been following for a while. A lot of people compare it to Cambria. Yes. Right? And if you go, like on, better. you go on Corner Berkshire, there's a lot of people <laughs> yeah. that are very, you know, feel very strong about the comparison between mm-hmm. the two companies. Yeah. Um, so why'd you write up? Why do we like it? Uh, so Virtue's UK car dealer. Um, I looked at a bunch of different ones there. Uh, have looked at them for a while. I wrote up Virtue like a year and a half ago or something um, for the website. Uh, I did look at Cambria um, and... Uh, I had asked, said that I would write it up for the website, and then I didn't. I just went straight to Virtue because I didn't have enough to say about it. Yeah, uh, it's a Cambria is a better business in terms of its returns on capital and things like that. It's more um, of a high. It's growing faster than Virtue, right? Yeah, it had previously been. Yeah, definitely, and um, it uh, has like a forty percent or so owner in the CEO, whereas Virtue's um, CEO might own like two percent of the company or something. It, all the insiders together own single digit percentages. Um, so the issue with virtue in the past is they issued stock twice at low levels versus tangible book. Sure. So I felt that that part of the capital allocation, the um, fact that they had funded themselves that way was what destroyed their past shareholder returns. And then actually, if they hadn't done that, their returns would have been good. So their returns look poor versus something like Cambria because of that reason. Uh, they might do it again. Uh, but it just seemed to me that the CEO especially had changed his um, beliefs about that sort of thing. Yeah, it sounds like he had a bit of an epiphany. Yeah. He read the book The Outsiders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and they've been buying back stock. They bought back 2% or so of the company in the, last, in the first six months of the year. Um, they're trading below tangible book, and car dealers don't really go for less than tangible book. Um, stock's up a bunch though, since, uh, when I was writing this up, when we were buying things like that. So mm-hmm. that is one thing to be careful about. Um, some of the things I talked about here was when the stock was around 30 pence and I think it's risen a bunch. Since yeah. Then, mm-hmm. Cause they came out with earnings that were normal. I don't think the earnings were different than I expected, but the reaction, the stock had gotten under a P of six. And I would say this is probably a pretty normal year for earnings. So yeah. It I'm, looks like you also gave it an 18% free cash flow yield. Roughly. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 8% free cash flow yield. Uh, you said, let's assume Virtue's trading for somewhere between 5 and 12 times normalized free cash flow. And then you said that is an 18% or an 8% free cash flow yeah, yield. Yeah, that's correct. It's in between those. Next year, it could be more like 18% because they're going to cut back their, their um, CapEx. CapEx. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to have a lot of CapEx the next two years. So they could have very high free cash flow the next couple of years, more like 20% than 10%. But even the most conservative estimates, I'd say they still are generating 10%. And I believe it was trading below book value as well, correct? Yeah. Oh, no. It's trading at very deep discount to book. Yeah. Um, it's trading at some discount to tangible book. Um, and, you know, tangible book is basically the property, the the um, buildings and things like that, and the cars. So, uh, I mean, for a car dealer, it's almost everything there. So it's unusual for them to trade below tangible book for long. And the returns on tangible assets, uh, tangible capital that's actually invested in the business at Virtu is good. I looked at it in the last few years, and it's all double digits. Mm-hmm. The problem is that because they acquire things and pay higher prices for them, that your returns won't be as good as that. So if they do a lot of acquisitions at above tangible book, um, your returns would be a lot lower. Sure, you might get eight to ten percent type returns on capital, whereas they might be getting you know twelve to twenty percent or something normally on their uh, actual tangible capital invest in the business. So if they just buy back their own stock, you're getting more like that second kind of returns. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting when we were doing research for this company. I was trying to compile everything that Buffett has ever said about auto mm-hmm. dealerships and why they're good businesses, and he 
claims are good businesses because um, you virtually need no capital to run them, right? It's, and a lot of it's kind of financed by your customers, I guess you could say, you know, yeah. like with, uh, um, you know, all that. So I thought that was uh, definitely interesting. And I did tweet that out. So if you want to get access to that document. Uh, the Buffett stuff. Yeah, the Buffett yeah. stuff. Definitely mm-hmm. check that out. And if you want to get access to all of these posts as well, uh, go to focuscompounding.com. That is it for today. I think we are going to be doing a actual like appraisal from from you know a to z okay. on a stock soon i think we should do necker on it because you just also wrote up necker for the website as well all right we or, we'll do one of the stocks we'll soon because yeah. i know a lot of people have been asking about that uh we're trying to do as much practical stuff as possible so if we even have podcasts where we are doing you know five stocks um you know giving five minutes to five stocks, even if there's some dead air or whatever, because we're typing mm-hmm. around, we just want to make it as practical as possible. But um, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Jeff and myself. Again, we are going to be in New York, November 11th through the 15th. Reach out to invest at focuscompounding.com to, to get on the list. Our week is, um, like I've been saying, it's been filling up pretty quickly, um, but definitely reach out, invest at focuscompounding.com. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button, thumbs this video up, leave us a rating review, and we'll see you in the next podcast. Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to follow along.